Hi, I'm Rachel Bloom, and you know, the only thing better than reading Ray Bradbury is listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Giddy up! Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. From the Petbird Recycler on Sublevel 1B in Area 51, hello and welcome to TalkCast 326, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Eating cucumber-flavored Cheetos, which are only available in Tokyo, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, an abbreviated cast, because every cast at one point or another should be abbreviated. In the Acton TARDIS renewal plant, our technical anarchist, our button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdriver and girl genius. This week, arguing with sleeping cats, Kriana. Well, I actually have salt fruit that did come from Tokyo, so mm. my lychee-flavored drink is real. <laughs> um, I want to say hi to Zombrarian, who, who's away playing summer camp this I week. Good for you. you. I know, but she'll hear me when she gets back. Probably and, not. And, and, and who knows if Awake by Java will be joining us tonight? Only he knows, and He could we be asleep don't. by Java. Thanks, Coffee Bean. He could, he could be. Very well could be. Our guest this week on our slow trek towards Boston Comic Con, where we introduce you to some people you might want to drop by and see while you're there, author Tabitha Lord. Tabitha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Uh, you don't know that yet. <laughs> you're right. You're right. But I, I think it's going to be. Well, we hope so. We're very much hoping so. <laughs> Tabitha's new book is called Horizon, which is a somehow been described as a space opera or a science fiction romance or just science, hard science fiction. Having read a little bit of it myself, uh, the answer is yeah. It, it's a nice conglomeration of a lot of different stuff. Uh, Tabitha is, is a local New England area author. This is her first novel? It is. That was a question. Yes, it's my first novel. <laughs> it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't sound like a question. I, well, it yes, tapered up yes, at the I end. Yes, I agree. It was my first novel. Oh, cool. Novel. Yes. <laughs> and, and how did you get involved writing? Because you've how done a lot of... How does writing thing start This anyway? writing thing, yeah, well... No, you don't make me sound like Dr. K now. But you kind it? of do. Like, when you ask <laughs> questions like that, I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is how did the writing thing start anyway question. No, this uh, is, well, where, did, where did that anime come from? How oh, jeez. Well, it started with papyrus and the Egyptians, I think. Um, this is true. Well, you know. it's, it's, I have the, the, the serious how did, I, how did I decide to really make this my career and then I have the why did I write sci-fi and that that's kind of a more fun answer but um, but I think the real question is why did you start writing why did I start writing yeah well 
So I was working for um, 14 years. I worked as the admissions director in my kid's Waldorf school and the Latin teacher there because I was a classics major as an undergrad. And it was a wonderful career, but it was one that I sort of fell into because I wanted to do something and be able to parent because I have four kids and just be able to be a hands-on mom. And I had tried medical school, but medical school with little children was really a challenge. So I left. Wow. Oh, oh you are a masochist of the yeah. first degree, aren't you? Yeah, wow. well, I, I couldn't do anything well. When I was in med school, I wasn't a good student. I wasn't a good mom. I wasn't a good wife. I was good at nothing. So I said, well, you know what? I'm going to focus on the things that are already right here in front of me, be a mom, you know, and, and then I, I followed my kids to their school and got involved there as a volunteer and then as a full-time career. And as they got older, my kids, that is, um, I started thinking, okay, well, what is next for me? This is this is sort of what I've done, you know, to grow them up and, and to be involved in their life and to do something I believe in. But, um, you know, it's not really it's not really what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I thought, do I want to go back to medical school? Well, at 40 years old, I was not thinking medical school was really, you know, a possibility that ship kind of sailed. And, um, and I thought, well, I've always wanted to write and I've been a writer and I've had to do writing things my entire life. You know, I've written some poetry and I've written some blogs and I've written some, you know, and for work I did ad copy and just stuff you got to do when you, you know, when you're in that, in that business. And, um, the last thing I did for my work at Meadowbrook was the accreditation project. And an accreditation... When oh, you go good that, Lord. Yeah, you understand. I was a teacher for 20 years. You that was it. the worst. Yeah, totally. Two-year project. And I was the coordinator of the project, and I wrote the report. And that There's masochism. Yep, and the report took me a year to write. Noticing um, theme here. Yeah, it took me <laughs> a year to write. And... Um, as I was doing it, I thought, well, you're writing every day for work. Why don't you try writing something creatively and see if you've got a, an entire story in your head? And once I started, I couldn't stop. And at the end of the accreditation, when I had what I affectionately call my thesis because it was about a 100-page document, at the end of that year, I also had a full-length manuscript. It was nowhere near ready for you know anybody to look at, but it proved to me that I could take a thought from conception to you know, the last word on the page and bring it through to completion. And that was the, the piece of information I needed to know about myself because before that I, I wasn't sure I could do that. And um, I took another year to sort of tidy it up and get it ready for the world. And in that time I gave my notice at work and I said, I've got another year here and then I'm going to go pursue this next thing. And writing was the one thing that allowed me to let go of my dream of being a doctor. Um, you know, that was, um, I love it just as much. And I don't think I would have ever been able to kind of say that ship has sailed if I didn't find this writing to be um, my next my next path. But I feel like I can do this for the rest of my life. The stories, the ideas don't end, and it's on my time. It's I can do it from anywhere. I can, you know, it kind of comes with me wherever I am. So it's been a really nice. I'm 45 now, and um, I feel like it's a nice transition into what I can do at the second half of my life as a as a career. So you got your degree in, in classics. Yes. And, <laughs> I'm a but, dinosaur. So, <laughs> how dare you? And that sounds how almost I, as useful as an English major. Indeed. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Kriana. You're welcome. <laughs> it's so, the truth. Oh, thank right? you. So what happened? Where, where did science fiction creep into this equation? So the science fiction piece, I have... So I saw Star Wars for the first time when I was seven years old with my dad and I still remember every moment of that 
you know, that evening that we got to go see that movie. And after that, I had um, the Millennium Falcon and the X-Wing fighters and the TIE fighters models hanging to my bedroom. And I had John Williams album that I played every night. And I, you know, <laughs> I had a record player. And this is, again, dating myself. But you could leave that little top handle thing open and then the record would repeat. And so I would listen to the whole album every single night over and over and over I'm again. I'm sure your parents really appreciated that. <laughs> and it's just sort of like, I don't know, it's like it imprinted on me, you know, this whole science fiction thing. And when I started writing, it's just, it's where my imagination goes when I, when I think creatively. It's, it goes right to science fiction. I don't think it's the only thing I'll ever write. In fact, I have an urban fantasy I'm, I've got a full outline for, and I've Ooh, written a fantasy. I like that. But I mean, not it, that I don't like science fiction. I really do. But urban fantasy is kind of my guilty jam, right? Pretty cool. You know, and so I have, a, I, you know, my imagination is vast and my interests are vast. And I don't only like to read science fiction, for sure. I like to read everything. So, but it was a great place to start because I could just sort of let my imagination go and build an entire world, you know? Who were your favorite re writers as you began reading? Gosh, you know, so when I was a kid, <laughs> this is the hardest thing because... It's the worst question, right? Ask me this, and I actually had to turn my dining room into a library because I have so many books. And I haven't read all of them, you know, but I now have an entire room filled with books. And and that's so exciting to me. I like go in there and I just like, oh, like I'm like a dragon and there's my little treasures. Um you're one. Of, you're one of those people. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. married to one of those people. You understand? Um, <laughs> yes, but I mean, I used to be one of those people when yes, I was you did. a young child, and now I hoard in a new and different way that doesn't clutter up my dining room. It's called digitally. Oh, you know, yes, I have my. But Kindle. it doesn't have the smell. I know. I know the smell. Hold it in your. So when I put on my Kindle or the books, I don't want my kids to see I'm reading. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Digital <laughs> high five. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I would say you know when I was a kid, I loved the Black Stallion books. I loved Little House on the Prairie. Anything like sort of wildernessy and. Oh my God! Uh, why is Umbrian not here for this interview? I know. I know. Oh my. God. God, it's uh, like parallel lives. It, it's here. yeah. I mean, like she would just be enjoying you so much right now because, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> then I went through a, a Stephen King phase, you know, where I just loved, and you know, nothing could scare you more than than Stephen King. I mean, I remember reading Pet Cemetery and and just staying up all night from a book. You know, I mean, <laughs> not even the visual image, but the book, and just being terrified. And I would say probably my favorite apocalyptic novel of all time is The Stand. I think nothing really tops that um, still to this day. But, um, you know, so now I read, I just, I just read everything. I like everything from genre fiction to literary fiction. I mean, I just finished The Goldfinch and um, All the Light We Cannot See, which are two literary books. And then I also read Jonathan Mayberry, who I adore, um, and, you know, everything in between. All right, so I'm sure Zombrian would totally know what you were talking about, but I don't. <laughs> Context? <laughs> <laughs> so Jonathan Mayberry writes, he started off in the horror horror genre and young adult horror and um, and then now his Joe Ledger series is more of a um, military thriller, but it, it, it teeters on the edge of horror noir because everything in every book has something that just kind of goes right over the edge, whether it's an alien idea or it's a zombie-ish thing. There's something that tips you over into that horror genre, which it just makes them really interesting and fun. And um the, the other two that I mentioned are just uh, The Goldfinch 
is Donna Tartt, and she just won the Pulitzer a couple of years ago for that book. So it's one of those really literary, like 9,000 pages long that you, you know, when your book club says you have to read that, you're like, oh my God, why would they pick this? And, and, and I'm like, if it has a little seal on the front of the book, yeah, I'm not yeah. picking it up. But it was so good. No, I know, I... I know. But like, look, I, I have this policy about children's books, too. I've had it since I was a child, in fact. And very... and my <laughs> wife and I argue about it continuously because she, as, you know, an aspiring young adult librarian, relies on these to sort of build her um, collection development, right? And we went back through the history of the, the children's book awards for... 40 or 50 basically as long as they've been happening and everyone that I've actually read I really honestly hate those books oh gosh <laughs> like you know it's just I feel it maybe it's just those maybe the adult ones are fine but um you're like, talking about the Caldecott awards in those books yeah Caldecott yeah. and the Newberry is a kid's yeah, award I exactly think too, right? he said yep. Newberry and I just had like flashbacks of Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the giver and like I wanted to right. shoot myself. No, no. There's a yeah. special reason you want to shoot yourself, but yeah. I know, but there like... are books I don't like, and those are the ones I just put down and I don't I don't talk about them because that's you know fair. what? That's that's fair enough. You can be as, a positive person. As a writer, I feel like I don't want to trash other people, and I, I write for a site called Book Club Babble. Also, uh -huh. I'm a senior writer there, and we interview authors, and we get a lot of stuff from publishers. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question, yeah. and you sure. can say, like it, or you can say, no comment. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, Game of okay. Thrones. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, but not, but the, not the books, the, the TV series. Interesting. So, you know what? <laughs> Why? I couldn't, I tried to read them, but the visual was so good. That I thought, well, I'm just going to enjoy. It takes a lot less time to sit down for an hour <laughs> once a week and watch these. <laughs> invest in reading that. And I so think I, I read all seven of them in a week or something crazy and like I, that. The option in front of me to just do the other thing, and so I cheated and just did the other thing. But I, I do think it does lend itself to that big visual, you know, picture. So, yeah. So I can't really speak to the books. So I'll just say, love it, but. With the caveat that I, I, I watch it, I don't read Okay, it. <laughs> so, so you basically only started reading the first book, if I'm correct here. Yep, yep. Okay, so the first book was actually decent, so fair enough there. Once you get to the, like, uh, as it goes on, you, you're thinking, like, this can't actually get any worse. And it does. It does. It does. <laughs> it does. I, I mean, I don't know about the TV show. I haven't watched it since mid-first season because it makes me angry in a lot of ways. <laughs> So. It, it, this last season was pretty good, I have to say. I, I understand why people like it, but the it whole experience is just so tainted for me that I'm just like, nope. No, I get that. Yep. Tainted. So describe a little bit about this book. Just... Horizon? Yeah. So, I, you know, it's kind of like a... Uh, it's definitely a space opera. It falls very clearly under that genre because it's sort of this epic tale. Um, but it, it's humans. Um, but so you know, not... nobody writes space operas anymore. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I don't know why I, I had this idea, but <laughs> I, I did. And so I thought, well, let me let me just get started on it. Um, it's a bit of survival fiction. It's definitely um, a, a, a genocide of a people. The I, the impetus for the idea was, I thought, what if one you know, what if we're somewhere else, you know, and here's where my, you know, why science fiction? Because I can go anywhere I want and make it as fantastical as I want it to be. So I thought, what if there was this, you know, this 
planet of people who part of them evolved differently than the others, either either purposefully, genetically, you know, modified, or just naturally there was something that, and they became empathic, not only just empathic, like, oh, I can sense your feelings, but, oh, I could actually get inside your head and read your mind, and some of them can heal with their touch, and some of them can, you know, feel the, the, the plants grow and such things, so, but only Hi, part Java. of the Oh, hello. I new say person. to warn everyone. <laughs> <laughs> hello, new person. Yes, I see somebody flashing up my screen, too. <laughs> hey, Java. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Joining us from the joy of parenthood, Java. <laughs> well, welcome. Is your little one sleeping? That's the question. <clears throat> Java, no. Tabitha, Tabitha, Java. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Hi, Tabitha. Uh, not sleeping. Not sleeping. Yeah, that's so not not screaming. So. Well, that's good too. I had I had one, not to scare you, but didn't sleep until he went to school at four. And that was just our life for several years. The other three slept fine, but that one, he's really cute though. So we, we didn't kill him and eat him. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Yes. He's still around. <laughs> yes. The authorities tend there's still to time. Uh, well, he's 18 now and he's pretty cool. So yeah, there's, I'm just saying. <laughs> you could if you had to. If we needed to, yeah. yeah it's it's unfortunately... my 14-year-old right now that I'm kind of like, all right, I'm going to send you to summer camp for the entire summer. <laughs> <laughs> he's at that in-between age where he's not really, you know, he can't get a job yet, and be go but he can't really, you know, but he can't get himself anywhere, so it's all on, you know. Anyway, I digress. You have all this ahead of you. How wonderful. <laughs> my, <laughs> Don't my <let> scare you. <laughs> my oldest is 10. Ah, um, so you know. You've already And had my it. youngest is three months, so. Yeah, yeah. I had that spread. I had 11 to, to baby. <sighs> Just when you think you're out of it. <laughs> Java, remind me to blame you later really hard. <laughs> and I oh. think you know why if you listened to last week. I didn't. I was on vacation. My legs really hurt. I hate you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> we can so talk I, Anyhow, Tabitha, yes. you, were, you were talking about you know, why the space opera genre and and kind of describing what the book is about. Genocide, evolution. Things. Oh, yeah. Empathy. Yes. Okay, so so yes. I guess the first thought that I had, like this idea that was kind of swirling around my head was what if one part of the population evolved differently from the other part in that they could read minds, they could, you know, and it would create this really um, threatening society, you know, even if they were very peaceful and very, you know, um, sort of evolved, so in quote unquote, um, part of the population. And so I started with that concept of what what would happen if you threw that into the mic into a pot and said what what would go on. And of course, so the one side, the the, the sort of cannots, were very afraid of the other side and and eventually um, tried to wipe them out. Um, and that was the premise for the story. And one, the, my main character, Kaylee, is is a survivor uh, of that empathic race. And they are, of course, part of a bigger galaxy that they don't really know about, a bigger universe of you know humans that have colonized and they don't know about it because they've been hidden in their little backward planet for a long time. Um, and suddenly now they're you know she's thrust into this bigger picture. So that was the initial premise. And I ran with it, and it went to, in some places I didn't expect. And, and now I'm on book two. I'm about, well, 50,000 words into the draft of book two. So I'm, I'm quite, I'm, I know where it's going. I'm almost, I'm almost done. It's intended to be a trilogy. Um, and then I intend to end it at the end of the trilogy, because I, one thing I can't stand is when people just take a, a, an idea or characters or a storyline and just 
keep on going with it. And even when it's, it's life is exhausted. So I don't want to do that. I absolutely hate the fourth book of a trilogy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you there will not be one in my, my series. <clears throat> promise. So, so you, you, you live in a very busy household. You, you're married with four kids and, and, and dogs and cats. And I know. How do you, what, what's your writing presence like? How do you oh. sit down to write? Or do you? <laughs> yes. Actually, it's funny because when I was working full-time, I was telling you earlier that I wrote that draft while I was working full-time and working right. on that accreditation report. And I actually was so much more protective of my creative time then. Um, I just, nothing got in the way of it. It was like, I work all day. I come home, I, you know, we have to do the kid thing. And then this is mommy's time and don't anybody interrupt it. And I really, and now that I'm, this is what I do for a living, um, it's harder. And um I struggle because what I've realized is some of the other things I do, like the author interviews and the other projects that I work on that are writing projects and even the short stories that I write, don't take as much creative space. But when I'm writing creatively, I need a minimum of two hours and a maximum of four hours of uninterrupted time. And you can imagine I don't really get that, you know, here. So I have to go take myself to the coffee shop or I have to just go to my sister's for a week and say I'm going to bang out 20,000 words in this week if I possibly can you know and and so I, I work around it but on the other hand I feel so blessed to be doing this thing and this sort of like the second half of my life that that I feel so satisfied doing and it's such a it just you know kind of feeds my soul if I could be a little corny about it but it, but it does you know it's really a lovely thing to be able to do so no complaints. No, 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 not I mean, I, I, from from the standpoint. It, it this is one of the questions I love asking writers because each one has their own like mantra or or thing that they need to do in order to be able to actually produce. I'm a calendar. And, and I write lists and calendars and I plan and plan and plan. I have like a, it's an obsessive thing. I, I, I know it's kind of like an illness, but I have a daily, <laughs> like a daily calendar. You know, I have every hour charted out and I just will say, okay, you need to work two hours on this project today and then you need to take this kid to baseball practice and then you need to work an hour on this and then you need to make dinner and then you need to, you know, and I put it all in there um, and then, and it doesn't always work, of course, but what it well, does do... That was do, my next question. Yeah, it doesn't always work, but what it does do is it gets sort of like, if I can't get to something, at least in my mind, I feel like, but it's written down somewhere, it's not lost. You know, like, okay, there it is. It's on my list. If I didn't get to it today, I'll I'll roll it over till tomorrow. And then I feel sort of like the anxiety lifts a little bit. So... It's, yeah. it's interesting listening to the, quote, anxiety that you're talking about. Um, I did spend a lot of time uh, reading some of your stuff, and uh, one of the things I came across uh, on your website, on your blog, was uh, uh, hmm, how to put this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just throw it out there. <laughs> You've got this whole blog post about vulnerability. Oh, yeah. Yep. And uh, you, you talk about your own discomfort, about bringing yourself out, exposing your, your work and yourself to the world yep. and how vulnerable it makes you feel. And, and So true. And it's funny because for so many years of my life, I wasn't, I would never have considered myself an artist. It, it was in there. I mean, I've always had that creative piece, but it was like, 
I'm in school. I got this to do. Now I have kids. Now I have this to do. And I have to be mom. Now I'm in charge of this. Now I'm the director of this. Now I'm the teacher, you know? And so it was all this like very, you know, just kind of kept my life moving forward and I knew what I needed to do. And then it's sort of all of that structure went away and all of this creativity bubbled out and it was really raw and it was, uh, it was a challenge. I mean, and I, and I, and it reverberated into other parts of my life. Like suddenly I was, and I put this in my blog, I was for, more vulnerable with my own husband, like who's known me since we were kids, you know? And I'm like, but this is, my soul is coming out and, and what if people don't like it? And, uh, but you know what? It's okay. I, at the end of the day, not everybody's going to like my work, but it's still important to do the work and it's still important to, you know, put out good, the, the best that I can put out there um, and and do what I do. So, so how, how do you feel now about coming to Boston Comic-Con, sitting at a table in a row in a huge place with <laughs> hundreds of other creative people around you and literally thousands of people uh, cramming the aisles, looking at you, looking at your work? How, how's that going to go for you? Well, it's a little terrifying. <laughs> I mean, be honest. But you know what? It's also really exciting. And the, and the one part that excites me is as I've I've gone to a lot of writers conferences over the years. You know, as I've started to you know venture into this profession, and writers are are extremely supportive of other writers for the most part. You know, like that's my experience with them is that that they about ninety five percent of them yeah absolutely and so it's really this lovely community that doesn't say for me to be successful you have to fail they really say for me to be success for my success and your success we can actually build on each other's success if somebody likes my kind of writing and you write something like that that's just good for everybody because everybody wants more books you know or more writing so it's a really lovely community so in that regard i'm i'm looking forward to it i've done a couple of signings and i've been to a couple you know where i've been the guest at a book club and this and that and you know i that's really fun i like to talk about my work um and it's still it's still a little like I'm really nervous before I go, <laughs> you know, and then I warm up and it's okay usually. So I'm, I'm more excited than I am terrified. Um, but the terror is, it, it's just below the surface. I'll be honest. <laughs> Have you ever attended a large convention like Boston? I, I went to the uh, Rhode Island comic con a couple years ago and that was fun. And I've been to like big um, writers conferences, but I'm doing world con. Well, mid American, Boston Comic Con and then Rhode Island Comic Con, sort of like three in a row. Well, wow. Rhode Island's not till November, but I have those three things. So we'll see. You know, I, I think it'll be great fun. I mean, I, I love the vibe. You know, when I went to the Rhode Island Comic Con, I'm like, oh, my people are here. I see Star Wars <laughs> collections like the ones I used to have. And I got to meet, at the first one, I got to meet um, Dirk Benedict, the original Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica. Mm -hmm who was my very first crush as a child. And I have a picture <laughs> with him and he's hugging me. And I was like, oh, this is a great day. Um, so, you know, I think the vibe there is really wonderful. And I'm, I'm very excited. Um, of course, just being, you know, back behind the table where people are going to ask me, what's your book about? And I'm like, well, it's about space. <laughs> my tongue-tied answer. It's about, it's about space and, and people in space. <laughs> and, and might have to have before I my, my advice for conventions is even if you're not extroverted, be extroverted. Yep. Because if you're sitting behind your table with your head down writing or something and you're not actively engaging with people as they're walking by, even just with eye contact, you're going to be disappointed. Okay. With I, your... 
I will stare everyone down. Stare them down like a psycho. (laughs) That's my strategy. And it's always worked for you, Kriana, hasn't it? I think so, yeah. (laughs) You guys will have to come by and visit my table, please. We absolutely will, yeah. But the thing thing that you'll find about Boston is it's one of the few conventions that, that we've ever been to in which the the celebration is about the art. Yeah. It's, you know... But not like art as in... Um, as in drawing and painting. It's art in general. I mean, writers, artists... Uh, uh, I mean, we... Mean, he means the art of portraying speculative fiction in whatever manner you feel most comfortable with. Nicely said, Kriana. Thank you. That was that was wonderful. I'm 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 really I am really excited. I used to joke when I first started writing science fiction. I was like, so I'll have made it when I can be at Comic Con, and I'm like, well, it's probably the San Diego Comic Con is probably the gold no, standard for no, you know. But, no, no. But honestly, I am so excited about Boston. Like I really am. Boston I, is I the greatest like, show. You're gonna love I it. I feel Everyone like it's a really good show. On the East Coast, it really is. It's I'm the excited. greatest show. Like seriously. It's really great. Java's even been a few times. He's not answering. Oh, I is he? Still He's gone? fallen asleep. He's is napping. Is he still gone? No, no, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> I said, I he said something. A nap. <laughs> I, I muted my mic because the the dehumidifier went on. So. Oh, fair enough. In fair. my dank, dark dungeon. So. Dungeon. <laughs> he doesn't sleep anymore. We have to let him nap. Yeah. Nap whenever yeah. he can. Exactly. You know. So. Guys, if you're going to be at Boston, and most of you who listen to the uh, podcast end up going to Boston in any case, check out Tabitha. Uh, the book is really interesting. The lady is really interesting. Thank you so much for being with us. And please pleasure. stay at least for the first thing of news because I have something I want to talk to you about. Okay, I will. And well, feel free to stay for the rest of the show if you'd like. And now I'd we're love- going to talk about the news. Okay, let's do the news. And I think Brianna wants to talk about the... Well, in the middle of things, you you mentioned Stephen King, and I realized I've been watching this great new show, and it is actually new, and I thought I'd finished it, but I actually hadn't, and I'll get to that in a second, and it's really great, and I think everyone should watch it, so... What is this show, you might be wondering? It's called Stranger Things, and it's on Netflix, and it came out on July 15th. I can't wait. I can't wait to to, binge on it. Okay. No spoilers. No spoilers. I haven't seen it. We are three episodes in. Okay, Okay, well, wait, I'm only, I'm only, I'm not that much farther than you, because halfway through, it does the Netflix thing where it, like, shows all the credits, and I thought, and it stopped, like, auto-playing the next one, because I was binging really hard since Sombrarian is gone, and, you know, I shouldn't have done that, because she's gonna freaking die for this, she's going to freaking love this, and, um, I realized that I'm only actually, how many episodes into it, five episodes into it, no, four, four out of eight. So I'm only one episode ahead of you. Um, it is... Whoa. My, my, my 18-year-old son just finished that last episode, and he, he came out to dinner tonight, and he said, I cried, Mom. It was so good. I'm going to tell so you like, what oh, it I is. Have to, I have to watch it. It's a little bit Stand By Me. That's what he said. It's a little bit... Um, he said a little bit E.T. E.T. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's a little bit... A little bit um, else he said. 
little it's rascals. A little bit, mm-hmm. It's a little bit Close Encounters. X-Files. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit... Um, oh, it's a little bit X-Files, and it's, it's X-Files, even yeah. a little bit... Um, uh, oh Twin, God. Peaks. Twin Peaks. Oh. Oh. We're thinking exactly. about the same thing. We were psychically linked right oh. there, Java. It's a little Twin Peaks, but I couldn't get through Twin Peaks. And this is like... A, it just got the tinge of the flavor of it, but not too much that I can't follow it. The pacing is absolutely superb. Um, the uh, fantastical elements are not overwrought in a very Stephen Kingish manner. I feel like he's not generally overwrought with his with his fantastical elements. They're they pop up when they pop up, but then you can go for a while ignoring them because life is happening, right? And it's compelling. It is super compelling. I'm getting I, ready to binge on it very just, shortly. It, so, like, yeah. it's, <laughs> and it's perfect. It's like you you get in there and it's late 70s, early 80s. And it's it's just. And the first. Oh, God, I can't even. The can't level even. of detail <laughs> just, is just like perfect. I, uh, it's nostalgic in, in the exactly the right kind of way because it's real nostalgia. It's not MTV's I Love the 80s. Right, it's yeah. like it's like real nostalgia. Somebody put a lot of thought into creating this world, and at the same time, it's it's this it, it draws you in. Um, it's not just a it's not just a, a a nostalgia trip. It's actually a, it's a compelling story. Like, it's well like, written. The character development is well written. Um, and it's, and it's perfectly it's I think that it came out at just the right time because it's at the same time as Mr. Robot season two, which is a completely different kind of show. I still which didn't is watch also, that. It is also fantastic. It's a How fantastic fun. show. Um, How are but, you coming along with Mr. Robot, by the way? Uh, I haven't watched the latest episode. I think there was an episode last is night. Is that on Netflix or no? It is that's not. On it the is actual not. TVs, so it's I will on- have to acquire that in a different method. It Which is, is why I haven't yet. It's a weird one. It's USA. Really? Yeah. yeah. But huh. it's, I mean, it it's really good. Uh, it and And the problem is that, that that's one that's very hard to, like, you know, grab onto because um, it's a lot about, well, I mean, for, for people in the computer hobby slash profess, profession, it's a very interesting show but it's also about mental illness and it's also about um rights and and society and stuff like that you're you're not selling this for me java it's very (laughs) you're you're anti-selling this for me because that that sounds like warning don't watch this you're going to be depressed about your life uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. It could be, yeah, um, very much. Okay, I'm, I'm ripping up my post to know with the title. <laughs> okay, have you guys watched Orphan Black? Are you Orphan oh, Black? Oh, yeah. For most of the first season, and then no. No? The oh, problem the problem for Orphan Black with me is that it, it felt, and maybe maybe it was different after the first four or five episodes, because that's all, that's all we watched, but um, it felt very Dollhouse and Alias to me. But kind of somehow less interesting. I don't know. I it, it was a it's an amazing um, accomplishment by the actress, but it's, yeah, the actress is great. But you know, I I haven't I haven't really kept up with that one, and and now that I've got these two shows to watch, 
Yeah, there's I'm only not. so much you can do. Okay. <laughs> there's only so many okay, hours. So Stranger TV. Things. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm on it. By the time we go to Boston Comic Con, I will have watched it all. We can we can have a little. Very Stephen King. In fact, I just googled it, and Stephen King likes it. <laughs> um, awesome. But it's also really heavily inspired by Stephen King, and you know, it almost parts of it feel very Guillermo del Toro. As mm-hmm. far as the what you what I've seen so far of the monster designs and whatnot, which is very very little, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because of where I'm at in the series. So, Java, well, don't make me the same mistake that I did when the credits roll. It's only halfway through. I just realized. I know I we saw that episode tonight. So the credits oh, okay. were rolling, and, and so we're I, in the same spot then. Okay. Yeah. Well, when um, I finish my current binge and I only have two more episodes left. I'm probably going to move to that. It's really good. And we're in like a TV desert right now. Yes, yes we are. Lord knows. Well, and I don't feel very compelled to go back to Grimm. Uh, I love Grimm. Oh, but... I haven't watched Grimm in years. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a, se- a half a season behind and I'm like, I don't really care anymore. Well, and you know, I would say Monroe the rest... is the best part. And yes. there's not a lot of Monroe anymore. So give the rest of this season a shot because Monroe does come back. I, okay. I'm really uh, sad that towards, Sleepy towards Hollow kind of killed itself. Crashed and burned. Uh, I'm not because it took a hard left and went I, nowhere. I, I don't know. I didn't mind this past season. And I just, oh, guys. Well, but I mean, yeah. it's not like anybody is watching TV shows anymore anyway, because now we have Pokemon Go. Right, exactly. <laughs> Yay, Team Mystic. Yeah, that's right. The bird in the north. Damn right. Uh... We took and over two gyms the other day just on our own. Nice. We caught a nice. Pikachu. That's that's great. Um, the, I don't know. Did you guys talk about Pokemon Go? Last not really. Yes. No, not, we, we sort of glossed over it. But I mean, we, we're kind of waiting for you to come got back. Got out in absentia. It's t- it. I mean, it's a great. It's a it's a fun little game, and it does get you out and moving. Um, there's a couple of things that happen today. I found a, a site called Pokevision.com, which is pulling information from the Niantic API to tell you real-time locations and durations for Pokemon spawns so you can find the Pokemon that you want and it's depressing because I live in the Midwest oh no there isn't anything good out there well because you're in Boston or or the area um, there is a great website called gotta catch them all link me yeah Uh, for you guys that is uh, where people are reporting on oh, I got an app for that. That's like the second highest app thingy. I haven't tried it yet, though. Poker Radar is also okay, but they re- rely on um, on reports. Yeah. And uh, this PokeVision.com does not. It pulls time. And I, I verified it myself. I went out and caught a Pidgeotto right where it said it was going to be. At, uh, and are it, those rare for you? No, they're okay. not. But um, No, because I'm totally gaming XP with Lucky Eggs. Duh. Um, Obviously, sorry. What was I doing? Pardon me, old person is going to step aside right about now. Okay, what are you still doing here? Uh, uh, But, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting phenomena, and it's definitely something that is has taken over the community community recently. It's a positive thing, and how many positive things do you really get lately? You just take them when you can. 
Well, I'll, I'll tell you, it's been a it's been a week of both positive and incredibly negative. Well, I mean, you you get these communities where you're like, okay, you get this kid posting on Facebook. I was out catching Pokemon at four a.m. I got stopped by the cops, who asked to see my collection and then showed me theirs. That's true. <laughs> Freaking adorable. Okay. Absolutely. Amazing. Well, the only thing is though, like we kind of live in the sticks close to Boston now, so there's like nothing within walking distance like there's pokemon within walking distance of our house but no like poke stops there's like one mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. two gyms and that's it so and, and yeah, they're I... heavily contested gyms um they the colors rotate <laughs> daily um, yeah semi-daily i can see two gyms from my house um <laughs> and they they are being contested pretty 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 much hourly, uh, and it's a really easy bike loop because I can hit five gyms on a three k bike loop. Mm -hmm. But biking does not get you km. Well, for it depends eggs. how fast you bike. If you bike under fifteen miles per hour, it's certainly it's dies. under ten. Oh darn it! Yeah, and it's really hard to ride a bike under ten miles an hour. Yeah, we're kind of guilty of like driving to the other end of the complex and then getting out of the car. <laughs> you know uh, yeah i i know somebody uh who may have a jailbroken phone this is absolutely not me because i don't do this of i don't play not. these games Why would you? i'm ser i'm serious it's not me but it is somebody related Definitely to me not you. um and he he lives in chicago so it's easy it's easy enough to go out and catch Pokemon in Chicago, but he's he's got a jailbroken phone, so he's he can alter his GPS, and he just sets it to walk up and down Lakeshore. <sighs> nice. I have a I have a 10 km egg that I'm about halfway through. So, and, anyway. and you know what? That's five kilometers I would not have walked otherwise. So, that's right. <laughs> Thanks, Pokemon Go. What's your favorite Pokemon that you've caught? I have an Onyx. That's pretty cool. Which is really cool and completely useless when it comes to <laughs> battling gyms. But, I don't but, know which one is my favorite. Really cool. I was I've got pretty all... excited about the Pikachu. Yeah, Pikachu. I don't have a Pikachu. I don't have a Bulbasaur. I have. I don't my have one of those. Charmeleon and my uh, Squirtle. I, I've caught a Squirtle. Uh, I a couple started of them. with the Squirtle. I didn't catch one. I don't have a Charmeleon I, either. We're filled with like Spearows and Pidgeys. Yeah. And uh, you know the the annoying thing is I I just hit level twenty and I'm still getting just that. Oh, I'm level I'm level nine. I think that's pretty decent actually. It is. My Beedrill is super useful. Beedrill is good. Um. Oh, and my Flareon. We are in an Flareon. EV rich zone. That's for sure. Uh, if you rename your, uh, you can get the other evolutions types. Of Eevee, if you rename your Eevee before you evolve it to Sparky, or um, I don't know the the other ones, they're on they're online, uh, and you can force it to evolve into the other type. And Vaporeon, the water type, is one of the highest ranked Pokemon for battling gyms. It's insane how fast it does damage. Okay, I'm gonna get on Reddit and look that up later. Nifty. Um. Yeah. I could talk. I could talk Pokemon all night. I mean, but... let's see other highlights of my collection. I guess Pidgeot, <laughs> very good. I like my Pidgeot. Um, 
Yeah, I guess that's about it. Oh, and my Abra. I was really, really super excited to finally catch that little bastard that was teasing me for, like, ever around here. So, yeah. I've got a Ponyta, but I've only caught <laughs> one. So, sidebar, I learned from Pokemon Go that my wife never learned how to properly pronounce Pokemon. Oh, no. So, she would come up and be like, I caught a Rattata! And I was like, a what now? What are you talking about? That's not a thing. And then I would figure it out eventually and she'd feel really self-conscious. So, <laughs> While she's not here, I can make fun of her, right? There you go. Except she'll hear this and then she'll hit you. That's <laughs> really unlikely, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Vanishingly unlikely. Well, uh, yes... Oh, I, I was just talking. I was reading through the news stories in the in the doc, and um, there's some that I thought were interesting. Oh, Probably where do you want to go? The opposite of the ones that I thought were interesting. So I'm going to say one one. There was one other news story that I wanted to talk about, which was don't fucking reboot Ducktales. Leave my childhood <laughs> alone, you stupid bastards. Okay, <laughs> now I'm done. No, that's that's true. Yeah. The Duck weird Tales. thing about the DuckTales Duck reboot is it's Huey, Dewey, Louie, and some little girl duck that's with them. For some reason, they need to because do that. Because now we need a token girl because... Because token girl. Yeah. Which is totally not the point. And why don't you just write something new? Let's Wait, make... what, are you, what are you talking about? Webigail? Yeah. Webigail was in the original DuckTales. Not Prove that I remember. It. Uh because uh, Prove yeah. it. Webby. Webby uh DuckTales. Really? Because yeah. somehow Webby. I don't remember that. Webby. Uncle Scrooge. Yeah. Uh Web Webby Vanderquack. <laughs> she is the granddaughter of Bettina Beakley and uh the granddaughter of Scrooge McDuck. Okay, so still stands. Don't reboot DuckTales. <laughs> Leave my childhood out of this. Where, where else did you want to jump to, Java? Uh, well, I thought that um, Stanley's new superhero Why? Uh, was interesting, but the story that you linked is not the one that I was thinking of. Um, you got a better link? Throw it in. No, no. Um, Throw it up there. Just vomit <laughs> it right on the page. Absolutely. This is apparently about uh, uh, Cinema Blend. Stop with the audio ads. Okay. Oh, it's, you dicks. Yeah, yeah. Just you giant stop. raging dicks. Sorry. I hate that. Okay. I, I got to uh, agree there for a second. Nitron, right? Nitron is the su yeah. superhero that he wants to bring to the screen. Right. There are way better superheroes from his past. Way better superheroes he can also, bring to the screen. Stan Lee, he's not dead yet? Thank you, Kriana. Yeah, uh, you know, most of his peers are, but he keeps going. I, I don't know what it is. He's a fucking cyborg. Yeah, probably. And, <laughs> and I have a sneaking suspicion that he's also Hugh Hefner. I think the same thing. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing when you said that. I was like, "We are psychically connected." And you also, guys are. All right. <laughs> the there are only, two. 
The only other person who is that old and is still around is either uh, Hugh Hefner or um, what's his name, the NRA guy, uh, Christopher. Gee. No, no, no. He's he's no. He's he's gone. See, I was thinking David Lee Roth, but that's okay. Oh, uh, David Lee, <laughs> way younger. Uh, no, the the Ten Commandments guy. What was his name? Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. Is he oh, still alive? He's crazy. Yeah, I, I think, think they're the same I guy. I think they're all the same that guy. Could, yeah, that could be. That could be. First, could the first that. one, the first one, who can send an email to us and let us know if Charlton Heston is still alive or dead. Win something. I'll, I'll, we'll win something. Um. So Google. <laughs> well, let somebody else Google. Yeah, uh, someone last... else Google that for us. We oh no, he died. Was, he died I, in two thousand eight. What? I thought he died in two thousand eight. Oh. <laughs> Good job, Java. You win the prize. So yeah. last week we were talking about adult comic books. Uh, adult. Uh, Where were we? We not adult comic books. We were talking <laughs> about co- adult coloring books. Very oh, different story. Completely different thing. Completely there. different thing. <laughs> Whoa. And uh, uh, there was an ugly rumor that proved to be true that there is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer adult coloring book coming out. Uh, it can be pre-ordered on Amazon now, and it looks incredibly cool. I want that. Uh, we all want that. Are you kidding okay, me? So am I the only one who thinks that the word adult is superfluous? No. Because when I think adult coloring books, I think something totally different than just <laughs> there a coloring There are no penises involved. Like, there- <laughs> also, no nipples, as far as I can tell. So definitely no vaginas. I'm just saying. There- I'm just uh- saying. Those are the if, anatomical if you're gonna, names. If you're going to imply nudity, you got to follow through on the nudity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm not sure that's what they mean at all. I like, there's want- another one. There's a Serenity uh, or, or a, you know. Firefly? Firefly uh, co- adult coloring book. <laughs> and there there could legitimately be nudity in that So, one. yeah, meaning if they aim to misbehave, they could actually be misbehaving. Yeah, but there of course there's Malcolm's not. Malcolm's ears just pricked up. <laughs> he heard his There's his even name. There's a there's a book on Amazon called, called Fairy Fantasy and and I still I I am willing to bet that there is no adult there. No. I would hazard a guess you're probably correct. See, this is this is false advertising. <laughs> it's disingenuous at best. Customers who bought this item also bought Goddess coloring book, mermaids coloring book, hmm. Inklings coloring book, coloring fantasy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start a search here. Coloring is fun. <laughs> I'm gonna go to a private tab for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the point, Java, though, is that you don't need a private tab. <laughs> or oh, do I, you? We, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know the parameters he's searching. This is a good so, point. This is a good while, point. While Maybe Java is searching for that. I did want to announce that uh, Boston Comic Con has announced uh, three VIP passes that they're currently beginning to sell. Uh, one is a Frank Miller VIP package, uh, which includes a Frank Miller lithograph, and uh, he will sign five personal items, which I think is kind of cool. Now, I've never heard of this Frank Miller guy. What does he do? He is an artist that is an incredible artist. That uh, was not very it, informative. Try again. Comic book legend Frank Miller. Okay, but like which comic books is what I'm uh, thinking. If 
the people who know which comics. I know, but for our listeners who don't know is what I'm getting at. Why you're not a listener who don't know? Dome. Look it up. Oh, the other VIP experience that they're offering is the scary one. The Bill Shatner experience. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Stan Lee. No, that was last year. Stan was there last year. I blocked it out of my mind. And that includes a private Q&A fan uh, panel with Shatner uh, and an autograph of a, of a photo with him or a personal item that you can bring along as well. With the uh, Shat himself. With the absolute Bill Shatner. Shat. Uh, there's a standard, also a three-day pass available, uh, uh, individual celebrity photo opportunities, and do keep in mind that Friday at Boston Comic-Con is family day and kids 10 and under will get in for free. Which Thanks, is kind of billing department. <laughs> I started I started listening to some of Zombarian's podcasts. And? Sawbones is pretty good. Oh, okay. I find it incredibly amusing. Although I could not get into Radiolab. I said, this sounds like NPR. I fucking hate Did NPR. And, and, and Heather was like, it is NPR. And I was like, I hate it. Turn it off. So, Kriana. Yes. Who's on this next week? I don't know. You tell me. George O'Connor joins us next week. I thought you were going to say George R. R. Martin, and I just, like, almost shit no. myself. George O'Connor joins us. <laughs> After that, who the hell knows? George is here to talk about his brand new comic and talk about some of his old stuff. And we will berate him again to do season three of 6664. Four. Of the beast. It feels like cheating when he's not with Griffin. I know it does, doesn't it? It feels like, yeah. So that. In any case, Sci Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Northeast Comic Con, Booksandblues.com, and ComicArthouse.com. This feels to mark from dozens of Our intro music production is provided by Rob Potts. Her outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out their grooves at lawrencemademecry.com. It's insane. I want to thank our guest, Tabitha Ward, for joining us tonight. Please come to Boston Comic Con. If, you, if you're there, come and see her. Thank Tabitha, you, so much. you were super brave and a trooper. Oh, it was so much fun. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> I want to thank the cast for joining us, whoever was here tonight. From the Act in Action Time Warp, sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana. Thank you, my dear. Are we done yet? I want to go finish this show. Mm-hmm. Go watch Stranger Things. Back from the shadows, which means six more weeks of con season. Thank you, Java. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> if you only knew what he was actually searching for. This is Dome saying Terry and Jeannie shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Oh, I know.